Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. In 2018, one of our best podcasts of the year was our top 20 overall, and we're here to do it again. Our top 20 PPR players for 2019, and Jake Myers here again with me to break all of that down. Hi, Jake. It's your first podcast, your first guest appearance of 2019. So how are you doing, my man? And let me just say I'm really, really excited to do this podcast. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. It's my, like Swan said, this is my first appearance of the year. And, you know, could it, be, it couldn't be a better podcast to be on. The top 20 episode is honestly my favorite episode to do. Kind of gets everybody heading in the right direction for the first and second rounds of their draft and on your way to win a championship. Absolutely. So this will be our top 20 consensus rankings. Uh, Pat is in this as well. So it, the three of us um, consensus top 20 to one. So um, we're going to kind of tackle this from a PPR perspective because that's you know what we compete in most of the time. Um, but Jake, let me ask you to, to start off the show before we do get into the, the uh, top 20 here. How have you been kind of doing? I know you've had your auction draft, uh, which you just completed over the weekend. I know you've been doing a ton of mock drafts. Um, how did that auction draft turn out for you? Yeah, I did a blind auction draft. Um, had a budget of $200. Tried to go for Christian McCaffrey. Tried to spend around 80 90 bucks. Did not get him. And then I ended up kind of panicking because the only one left at the second round of running backs there. And by second round, I mean... Nobody bid on him. You're still getting one of the top 12 backs, and Gurley was still available. So I bid $90 on Gurley and got him. It was between Gurley and Dalvin Cook, and I just like Gurley's upside better. Uh, also, I, with that being said, I didn't spend as much on running backs as other people because Christian McCaffrey went for 150 and Barkley went for 187 So I was able to spend more on my second running back. So I got Aaron Jones in my second back. I got Juju and Kenny Gallat as my wide receivers. I got uh, Zach Ertz as my tight end, which is obviously always a bonus. And then uh, I got my quarterback. I got Jameis Winston after missing on Andrew Luck. Um, but I'm real pumped about Winston. He has top five upside potential. I know that's a pretty crazy statement, but I think in the Arians offense, he could really, really do it. I, I don't doubt it at all. But Bruce Arians, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, there's a lot of good weapons there to throw to O.J. Howard. Uh, I like your team, honestly, Juju Smith-Schuster. I like your two running backs a lot. Uh, can you kind of explain to our listeners the difference, the main difference, if if there are people out there that don't know, uh, between kind of a regular auction or a, a mainstream auction and a, and a blind auction? Yeah, real quick, I can break that down. Basically, the uh, regular auction is you. everybody nominates a player. You see that bid, and you can bid on a player until you think his value is too high for you to bid on. In a blind auction, say you have 10 or 12 teams in the league, you all put, you pick a position out of a hat. So you pick a running back first, and then you put your bid in a hat, and it's a blind auction. And then you pull them all out of a hat. Whoever bids the highest gets that player. If you tie or don't get your player, you go back into the hat and go for a second round until everybody gets one player from that position. Um, so sometimes you can get outbid on twice, three times until you get your player. And instead of, you know, bidding 150 on McCaffrey like somebody did in our league and getting him, you miss and then you miss again. And then you end up with Nick Chubb as the, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th ranked running back sure. in that group. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I kind of wanted you to, to explain that a little bit because I feel like that's that's not the common way, right? I mean, the, the blind auction is probably not the mainstream one. No, I would definitely option. say that's a third row, and I think it's more of a niche thing. It might even be a Pennsylvania thing, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know too many people that do it that way. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. So uh, It's cool. Okay. It's fair. You can go after your player. If you want to go after your player, you can get anybody. It's not like a snake draft where you have the eighth pick and have no chance at Saquon or you know, an auction draft where it takes five hours. It only takes two hours or so to do, just the same yeah. as a snake. Right. That's nice. That's nice. Uh, now that was a 12-team league? Or 14. Yep, 12 team league. 12 team. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Well, before we start with, so we're going to go 20 to 1. Before we talk about the 20th player on our consensus rankings list, um, Jake, we should probably 
I do want to talk about Zeke again really quick because there was a another little bit of news that said, you know, he is definitely willing to miss games, uh, is going to sit out games until he gets a new contract. Now, the news also came out that the Cowboys have reportedly extended contract offers to Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, and Amari Cooper. Uh, with that being said, and not to give away too much into the rankings preview, uh, but Ezekiel Elliott, how are you approaching him in the draft, in a snake draft particularly? And um, I guess where you know where are you really comfortable kind of taking him at this point? Or are you trying to stay away from him altogether? I'm having a hard time with it, obviously, as everybody is in the fantasy world. But right now, he was probably my number one or number two back. And right now, I'm still drafting him at the number four position behind Barkley, Kamara, and Zeke. Um, so you're I confident he's going to he's going to show up. I'm still pretty confident he's going to show up. It's different from the Melvin Gordon situation, where Melvin Gordon is more along the lines of Le'Veon Bell, where he has that one year left. You know, I know Le'Veon was on the franchise tag, but you know, the one year Zeke has two years left. He's going to be getting, you know, he's going to be losing a lot of money if he doesn't, you know, take the deal that's offered to him um, over the next two years. So I think he's going to end up taking a deal here. Yeah. Totally different situation for sure. Uh, it's yeah, it still scares me a ton. So I'm I'm with you though. I'm still kind of trying to figure out where I want to go with that. A uh, couple other little you know pieces of news before I get into this. Uh, Dante Foreman was cut by the Texans, picked up by the Colts, um, and just to you know kind of add to the running back depth. I wouldn't anticipate him making much noise there. Uh, you know, it's a pretty crowded backfield now. Um, I've heard that Miles Sanders, the report is that he is looking very, very good at Eagles camp. I'm, I'm starting to get even more excited about him, a guy that I know I've been looking at a lot in that fifth and sixth round range. Um, I would not surprise me one bit if this hype continues to build around Miles Sanders and we see some good things in the preseason that that ADP uh, you know, is going to creep up even more. So keep an eye on him and keep an eye on that Eagles backfield situation. All right, Jake, well, let's do this thing. Let's start at number 20, and we are starting at the tight end position with Travis Kelsey in our consensus rankings. So, look, I mean, I'll start kind of with my two cents on on Travis Kelsey, a guy who I think you can kind of treat as almost, you know, he's he's this high for a reason because he kind of almost fits right into that, you know, wide receiver numbers territory. Over 100 catches last year. I think he had, let me check Let me check here really quick, he had over 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. So he set a career high in touchdowns, receptions, um, targets, you name it, 150 targets. Look, with the Tyreek Hill news earlier in the offseason, it looked like the ceiling was even going to be a little bit higher for Travis Kelsey. I think even with Hill coming back, this is still, you know, obviously a very, very good situation. Um, and he is still going to be a main focal point of the Chiefs offense. So I could see him approaching that 150 target range once again this season, and I think he's clear, you know, far and away, in my eyes, the number one tight end. Um, In terms of draft position, Jake, talking about Kelsey, you know, where are you comfortable taking him? Because he's a guy who, when I look at him a lot of times, I'm like, man, I don't know if I really want to take him as early as that you know, one, two turn or with the first maybe three or four picks of the second round, I would ideally like to get him a little bit later than that. How do you feel about him? Yeah, I'm with his ADP. I'm struggling getting shares of him where he's going. I just, if you don't get that wide receiver running back in those first three rounds, I feel like you really find a hole in your team. Now you gain an advantage with having the tight end like Travis Kelsey, but I've never been a big uh, tight end guy. Yeah, and I mean, don't you agree that I? this is how I kind of feel about it is I would almost rather wait and take, you know, try to see if I can get one of those guys like Hunter Henry or O.J. Howard in the middle rounds. Um, it just, you. I feel like I'm missing out on so much value at running back and wide receiver in the second round when I'm not, you know, when I'm, when I'm reaching, not reaching on a tight end, but when I'm taking a tight end that high. Do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying, and that's why, yeah, I'm not. And I do think Kelsey's going to regress a little bit. I think he hit his ceiling last year. I, I mean, that was a 
phenomenal, phenomenal season. I just don't see him. I don't see Patrick Mahomes repeating that performance. So therefore, Travis Kelsey is going to suffer. Okay, Jake, I'm going to let you kind of talk about the the number 19 guy here uh, because this is one of your guys on your favorite team. So why don't you take away our number 19 player? Yeah, so number 20 was Travis Kelsey. Number 19, my guy, my Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Mike Evans. I think he is primed for a big season. And some people can say, you know, oh, but they have a lot of weapons with Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard. We had Deshaun Jackson last year, and Mike Evans, Jameis Winston and Mike Evans just have a rapport together. And Jameis Winston just targets the hell out of Mike Evans, and I don't think it's going to stop this year. And I'm very excited with the new Bruce Arians offense to see where Mike Evans' talent can take him. Because as far as talent goes, Mike Evans is maybe, if not the most talented wide receiver, one of the top three talented wide receivers in the league. He can catch anything. Um He's just got to keep finding the end zone. He keeps seem, seeming to have the end zone years, one off year, one on year. But I think that's going to be another on year this year due to the fact that I think our offense is going to be pretty electric um, going into 2019. I like Mike Evans. I don't think I would take him over Antonio Brown or a Juju Smith-Schuster, but I would be taking Mike Evans over a Keenan Allen or T.Y. Hilton at this point in the draft. Yeah, and you talk about the targets, and it's true. Uh, 138, 136, 173, 148. Those are the last four seasons for Mike Evans in terms of his target share. Over 1,500 yards receiving last year. You mentioned the touchdowns, 12 in his rookie season, then 3 in 2015, and then 12 again in 2016. So, And then he went all the way down to 5 again in 2017. So that's kind of been a theme. I agree with you that he is most certainly one of the most talented receivers in the league if he can just it's almost seems like a focus thing sometimes with Mike Evans and can can things just kind of come together more consistently because if they can there's no question that this guy has top five top four potential when it comes you know when it's all said and done okay let's move on to number 18 and at number 18 the the guy that you had kind of just uh you know, mentioned as well, Antonio Brown. Um, what do you make of all the off-season stuff, Jake? Are are you worried at all? Should fantasy owners be worried about Antonio Brown going into a new offense, a new quarterback, already missing camp time? Is this stuff going to add up? Are we going to see maybe a slow start for AB? Well, it definitely is a scary thing, but I mean, you see that in his rankings. If he was still with the Steelers, I think you would see him be ranked in the top seven, eight, no doubt about it. I mean, he's the best wide receiver talent in the league, arguably. And, he, you know, it's just him going to a new place, a new offense, very skeptical. But I think his ADP, you can get value and take him. I would honestly consider taking Antonio Brown ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster in the right situation. Just depends on what risks you're willing to take. I would say... I would say Juju probably has a higher ceiling, but Juju also has a chance of busting. I really think Antonio Brown, as crazy as it sounds, is going to be more consistent just due to the fact that he is uber talented and he finds ways to get open no matter what. And I still think he's going to find ways to get open in Oakland. So I probably would end up going in crunch time. I probably would end up going Antonio Brown over Juju Smith-Schuster, depending on if I get a straight answer on his feet or not. I heard he got frostbite through a a cyber a therapy thing. Yeah, is that true? Yeah, so that's what I and and I had mentioned that in our in our group chat earlier. That's what I heard through uh, Chris Sims had mentioned that, and then there were other reports that confirmed that. Um, so I've actually done this before. It's called cryotherapy. I don't know if you know what what that is, Jake. It's it's basically like one of those cold chambers uh, where you stand in it for like you know, a minute and a half, two minutes, two and a half minutes, something like that. Uh, it's a short period of time, uh, but basically it's 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 like kind of like gas. It's it's very cold, um, and it kinds of kind of almost acts as you know, kind of like an ice bath where it you know just for muscle um, to to kind of get you back on the right track in terms of you know uh, you know kind of loosening up your muscles and recovery. Um, 
kind of an interesting, it's it's kind of a new fad type of thing, With I would say only within the, maybe the past, I'm kind of ballparking here, maybe the, within the last five years or so, it's become a lot more popular. Uh, but yeah, I guess he got, I guess he got frostbite on his feet. I don't know, something, that I read something. is gross. I know, I read something that he didn't have the correct, like, footwear on or something. I, I don't know, but it's just, it's like one thing after another with this guy. I, I, don't think this is going to be a serious issue going into week one. Uh, but, you know, with Antonio Brown, you can't take anything for granted at this point, I feel like. He, so, has, a nut, he has a nut job. No doubt. He's no doubt. NFL's biggest nut job. No question. It's, it's just everything that's happened over the last year, year and a half, it's just been a whirlwind with him. So, uh, But, yeah, I mean, look, Jake, I'm with you in the sense that when I I know when I'm doing mock drafts and I'm at the end of the first round and I'm thinking to myself, man, I I know this guy has the upside to be, you know, a, a, a top three, top four wide receiver again because I I think our thinking on this is is similar in the sense that when you have an all time great receiver, he's just going to find a way to do it right. So exactly. It's tough to not put him up there, but there are a lot of other things that are telling me maybe pump the brakes a little bit, just to be Go with a little the safer option. Yeah, be a little bit more conservative on it. Uh, he's still kind of a t- more of a top seven, top eight option for me at the position until you know I kind of see things develop a little bit more. But uh, you know, certainly he has all the talent in the world to be that guy. Okay, the next uh, the next player on our list here. Um, Jake, do you want to, do you want to take this one? I, I'm kind of going impromptu here, but do you want to, do you want to kind of go back and forth on these and, and we'll yep. just, yeah, let's go out. back and forth. Okay. Yep, I'll take this. So, uh, next on 17 is Dalvin cook. Um, I'm big on Dalvin cook this year. I think honestly, his ranking is low for his situation. He has been, I mean, he's got all, he's got a ton of talent, his situation with, he's gotten a good team, good wide receivers pretty decent quarterback in Kirk Cousins. He could really end up having a big year if he gets the rock all the time. And now Latavius Murray's gone. They drafted Alexander Madison, but I don't think he's going to get as many touches as Latavius did. I think this is Cook's show. And if he takes the ball and takes the reins, he could really have a breakout year and end up as a top five running back. So I like um, Dalvin Cook, and I would possibly even consider drafting him over maybe a Joe Mixon. Um, it's definitely, um, up for discussion. Swan, what are your thoughts on Dalvin Cook? Uh, very close to Mixon for me too. Uh, the one thing, Jake, that concerns me, can you trust him not to be injured? You know, fifth, only 15 games over his first two years. Of course, the torn ACL, that's something that has come a long way in terms of, um, recovery. So that's kind of behind him now. But again, last year he had, what, I think a groin or a hamstring injury. You know, those soft tissue injuries can be nagging. And I'm just, I don't know what your thoughts are on on how confident you are on, on Dalvin Cook staying on the field, but I know it concerns me a lot. Right, and he's never been healthy, so we, he's never gotten that return. But if he would have had a healthy season last year, per se, you, I could see him ranked in the top 10 overall with the talent and the situation he's got. So if you're willing to take that risk of him playing 16 games, then he's probably going to be a top 10 player if he plays 16 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, we've only seen for Dalvin cook now a little over 200 carries uh, yeah. in, in two years. So I think, you know, if he plays a full season, you're looking at a player who, I would project him probably in that same range as Aaron Jones. So probably in that 240 carry range. I don't think he'll be a guy who, you know, carries the ball 280 times. Um, but, you know, like a Leonard Fournette, for example. But I think he will get up in that 230, 240 carry range. The reason I say that is because the, the Vikings are still going to throw the ball, I think, a lot. Uh, you know, Cousins attempted over 600 pass attempts last year. So I, I still think this is going to be a team that that still leans on their two really good receivers in Diggs and Thielen. So I think there's a little bit of a cap there for Dalvin Cook. But I agree with you 100% that this guy is really talented. If he can stay on the field, he's going to be efficient. Um, I would say he's a guy who 
almost certainly is going to be at 4.6, 4.7, 4.8 yards per carry. Uh, so, and they're going to use him in the passing game as well. I think you can probably count on at least 40 to 45 receptions for Dalvin Cook. So in a PPR league like we're talking about now, yeah, I, I mean, there's certainly upside for Dalvin Cook. And uh, I'm with you, Jake. I think this is another guy who, you know, the sky is the limit for him, really. Uh, and he can he can certainly catapult himself up into that, you know, top 10, top 8, you know, running back rankings list. Okay, right above him, uh, another player that we alluded to, Joe Mixon at 16. So I'll give you a quick recap here. 20, Travis Kelsey. 19 was Mike Evans. 18 was Antonio Brown. 17, Dalvin Cook. And at 16 is Joe Mixon. And look, Jake, this is another guy for me who I I have fallen in love with Joe Mixon the past couple years. Another player who has gotten beat up at times, uh, has been more durable than Dalvin Cook. And certainly, I trust him a little bit more to do so. Jake, the biggest concern with me here is the Bengals' offense. I just don't know how good they're oh, going to be. Oh, God, it's putrid. Putrid. Oh. And know, that, I was, that, it was funny. I was talking to one of my buddies the other day, and I was saying, do this. Swap Joe Mixon and James Conner. Joe Mixon is a top three, four back. Oh, yeah. No question. I mean, the touch, the touchdowns alone are going to be there if he's in in a different offense, right? Yeah, it's just it's just a shame that this talent of a running back is buried on such a terrible team. Yeah, and they might even be worse. I think this year than they lost what they were linemen. last year. They they lost two more offensive linemen this year. I just I'm worried about him. Don't get me wrong; he's one of the most talented running backs, but. In the top 20 we're talking about right now, I think, would you agree with me? He's probably, if not the biggest, one of the biggest red flags. Yeah, I don't know if I would classify him as like a huge red flag because I think he's still going to get that workload. You know, last year in 14 games, he had 237 carries, a uh, little under 1,200 yards. But but the, the big thing for me is the touchdowns. You know, he did have eight last year, but I don't think he... I really don't think, Jake, that he has the potential to get double-digit touchdowns in an offense. Not in that offense. I don't see it either. Right. I, I think he, in terms of his rushing totals, I think he's probably capped at that seven or eight you know, touchdown mark. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say capped, but I think that that's probably the realistic ceiling. If, you, if you're looking at this you know, logically from a Bengals offensive standpoint in terms of just how many points they're going to score, I think that Mixon probably falls in that seven or eight, you know, rushing touchdown range. You know, in, in comparison to a guy like James Conner, who when they get down there, I mean, they're going to hand the ball off. He could easily have 12 touchdowns, 12, 13 rushing touchdowns. And, you know, those 40, 50 extra fantasy points on the ground, you know, those are going to add up. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, it's hard. I'd put Connor, Mixon, and Cook in a tier, and it's definitely hard to choose between. Each guy has their components, ups and downs, and you just really got to pick which risk you want to take or which you think is the safest option. And right now, obviously, as to see, unless we wouldn't have Connor outside of the top 20, which isn't the case, Connor is probably the safest option out of the three right now. We'll get to him eventually. Moving on to our next at number 14, which I actually have at 20. Pat I think has we're, at 11. Are we at 15? Sorry. We are at 15. Yep, I jumped the gun. That's okay. No I worries. jumped the gun. We got let's two go receivers back. back-to-back here. So let's back, that, let's back that up a little bit there. <laughs> let's go back to uh, at number 15. We have Juju Smith-Schuster. And Juju, I mean, it's his, it's his team now. It's his team <sighs> so to go catch the ball. He has every opportunity in the world. At training camp, he snuck in the back door where Antonio Brown brought in a hot air balloon to his training camp. I like the guy that's going in the back door getting to work rather than putting on a show. This guy, I mean, all the potential in the world. Swan, this is your team. You went to Steelers training camp. What are your thoughts on Juju? Yeah, I think the biggest thing here is people are, at least you know, from what I've heard, you know, people are a little bit concerned as to can Juju step in and be the guy who can work through double teams, you know, work through bracket coverages, you know, when, when the corner and a safety are focusing on you 
Antonio Brown could always win those battles. And, you know, Ben and A.B. had a connection like no other where, you know, they could fit the ball. He could fit the ball to A.B. in windows, and, and Antonio would always, you know, find a way to come down with those contested catches in, in double coverage. Um, and even in tight man coverage. You know, we've seen Juju actually, in my opinion, is, you know, well, not in my opinion. I, this is a fact that he is, you know, a bigger, stronger, uh, you know, specimen at the wide receiver position than Antonio Brown was. So I think those one-on-one battles on the outside, I think Juju can win those just as consistently as Antonio Brown. And when we talk about double coverages, bracket coverages with safeties paying more attention to Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't think you should be worried at all. You know, I've been to two, you know, practices so far at Steelers training camp. This guy looks the part. He looks different than anybody else out on the field in terms of the wide receiver position. He moves differently. He's a good athlete. He's coming into his own in the in his third year. So I don't think him taking over that number one role and being able to kind of live up to that hype, I really don't think that should concern you. The targets are going to be there. He has the talent, all the talent in the world, the size, enough speed, enough game-breaking speed. He's a guy who again, might not clock the fastest, but I think he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and I think he plays faster, you know, than what he would in terms of track speed. Um, I'm I'm excited about Juju, and 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 look, I I think he's another guy who, much like Mike Evans, uh, you know, has that top five upside at the position. So I'm I'm pumped about him, and. I think he is in line for a very, very good season, a high target share, and an efficient season as well. Okay, at number 14, we go to the guy who has had so much drama around him this offseason from, is he going to be suspended? Okay, it's a certainty he's going to be suspended. How many games is he going to be out to, wait a minute, he's actually going to be playing the entire season, it looks like. And that's... And that's Tyree Kill. Um, you know, one of the biggest shocks that we saw was the fact that the league office is not going to suspend him this year, and we're going to get him for a full 16 games, it looks like. So what does that mean in terms of, you know, the, the fantasy landscape? Another player, another wide receiver who fits right into that top five projection. You know, Mike Evans can do it. Juju Smith-Schuster can do it. And Tyree Kill can definitely do it. So, Jake, I don't see a whole lot changing in this Chiefs offense. Now, if you said, hey, Patrick Mahomes is going to take a step down, he's not going to throw 50 touchdowns, he's going to throw, say, 40 touchdowns, I think that's probably more realistic. So maybe there is a little bit of a regression there in terms of their passing game, Um, you know, especially now that defense has some tape on Mahomes. But... I mean, what is your opinion on the Chiefs' offense, I guess? Do you think that they can, you know, in, in my eyes, they can still be very, very good, maybe not quite as crazy good as they were last year, but I think Tyree Kill is still going to be that number one focal point for Mahomes. Yeah, I think Tyree Kill is definitely going to be, you know, a top 10 wide receiver before it's all said and done for the end of the season, but I don't see him posting that 12-touchdown number again. I think that was obviously a season for the ages for every chief, you know, Mahomes, Tyree kill Kelsey, you know, they all had one hell heck of a season, but I just think, I just think he's going to regress a little bit. And I think he's going to be a volatile option weeks. You're some weeks you're going to get 25 points, 30 points. Other weeks you're going to get four because the chief shut it down at halftime and didn't need to throw the ball. So I think if you could pair him with a consistent option, if you take a consistent option like James Conner, maybe then you take Tyreek Hill. But if you take, you know, another wide receiver that, you know, say like um, maybe like an Odell Beckham, I don't know if you put those two together because I don't know how consistent Odell is going to be. Or maybe a Joe Mixon and Tyreek Hill. I don't know how good of a combination that would be. I'd rather go with a James Conner. Tyreek Hill because in my opinion James Conner is going to be a more consistent back than Joe Mixon right and and can kind of make up for those weeks like you said where Tyreek Hill is going to give you you know three for 45 uh yep you know we talk about a guy like 
I'm not putting these two players in the same class, but like Deshaun Jackson was a player who would go up, you know, up and down, up and down. Tyree Kill will do that, but he'll, he'll be more explosive, obviously, and, and more consistent. But yeah, you do want to have kind of that more consistent option to offset a player like Tyree Kill when he is having those those down weeks. Um, okay, let's move on then to number 13 and, and a player, uh, again, who you just said you wouldn't mind pairing with Tyreek Hill. I'll let you take this one away to start, Jake, at number 13. At number 13, we have James Conner, who we've talked about a lot already because he's in that tier with Conner, Mixon, and Cook. I think you're deciding between those guys, whereas, you know, Todd Gurley and those guys are ahead of him just due to upside. I don't think Conner has number one back upside just due to his talent. Plus, how scared are we of Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell? Swan, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, the backup running back situation in Pittsburgh, I don't know what kind of run they give Benny Snell in year one. I think that Jalen Samuels kind of has his role. Um, You know, Connor's still going to be the guy who carries the ball you know, 18, 19, 20 times a game. Uh, and, and they'll find ways to get Jalen Samuels the football maybe six, seven, eight times a game if they can. But I don't I, I don't know. That might even be a little bit optimistic in terms of the touches for Samuels because this is a team that, you know, traditionally uses one back when they can. Now, of course, James Conner is not Le'Veon Bell, and he can't do everything as efficiently and as well as Le'Veon Bell could. But we saw James Conner catch a lot of passes last year. So it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, said, hey, you know, we're just going to let this guy be the workhorse. We will spell him with Samuels when we can. Maybe give, you know, Benny Benny Snell a couple, you know, short yardage situations or uh, a couple carries here and there. But I do think that James Conner is going to be, you know, the workhorse there, the bell cow. Um would not surprise me if he carried the ball 270 times this year. I don't think the Steelers are going to throw 690 times again in 2019. They're probably going to come down from that. But uh, I would also agree with you, Jake, in the sense that I don't think he has that top, that number one back upside. And a guy that we will talk about here in a little bit, Todd Gurley, who is going maybe in that same range, still has that number one upside. Yes, for sure. You know, I think that Connor kind of fits in perfectly in this, you know, in our rankings and and where he's going in terms of ADP. You know, the back half of the first round, I think that's about perfect to where he should kind of be going. Yeah, he's somebody I wouldn't be mad at drafting, you know, at late first round, early second. Um, You know, because I feel like you're getting a consistent option. You know, like I said, I would like to pair him with a Tyree Kill and I would be you know, pretty ecstatic about that. Yeah, absolutely. At number 12, we have Odell Beckham Jr. So a a big year for OBJ goes from the Giants to the Browns. It looks like it should be a good offense in Cleveland. Uh, You know, Jake, let me ask you this. What is the concern level? Is there a concern level in terms of, you know, Baker Mayfield in year two, or is he going to be peppering Odell Beckham with targets? Um, there are a lot of options here, and that's kind of why I bring this up is, is, you know, Jarvis Landry is still, you know, going to be a big option in that offense. I don't think the Giants ever had a number two quite like the Browns have in Jarvis Landry. David Njoku is, should be an option, a big time option in year three. I don't know if he gets quite into that top range of tight ends, but I still think he's going to be a factor in that offense. Plus, I think that they run the ball quite a bit with Nick Chubb. So, you know, given all of the other pieces in Cleveland's offense, Jake, do you think that Odell Beckham has that top five upside? You know, you laid it all out there pretty well. Um, The thing is with Odell, you think we would be jumping through hoops to get him because if you compare his two quarterbacks, he had Eli Manning for all those years, and now he has Baker Mayfield with, in my opinion, much more throwing arm talent, you know. Absolutely. you're right. He has so much competition for there's only one football in Cleveland, just like there's only one football with the New York Giants. But that one football with the New York Giants, a lot of the time, especially the year before Barkley, always went to Odell. Now he has four or five people fighting for the football. 
and he's just not going to see that all the time. So with Odell, you have to worry about him, his maturity level. Can he handle that? And will he be okay with just winning and not seeing the football as much? And obviously not seeing the football as much, is he going to put up those fantasy stats? And obviously we're just forecasting. We really don't know how that offense is going to go, but we do know the Browns like to run the ball. So if Baker's only throwing the ball 25 times a game, that's a, you know, how many targets is Odell going to get? Only eight? Yeah. I don't know if that's top five upside. Right. I think it does come down to that split. And and honestly, the success of the team, uh, if they're going to be in the lead or in tight games and they're able to run the ball, yeah, uh, you know, but are they going to do the typical Cleveland thing and choke and only win five or six games? I wouldn't bet on that. I do think that they're going to be significantly better. Um, you know, the the one thing that Odell really leaned on in his kind of his, you know, first few years in the league, 2014 through 16, he had double-digit touchdowns in all those seasons. And, look, I had Baker right around, I think, 30 or 32 touchdown passes. And I, I do think that Odell can be a big chunk of that. I just don't know if he gets to that many. And that's the one thing that, that might hold him back a little bit in terms of just, you know, when we look at the end of the season at, at total fantasy points, um, you know, is he going to kind of score those touchdowns? Is he going to get to the double-digit numbers? I, I don't think so. I think he's probably going to be more around 8 or 9, which is still, again, a very, very good season. Um, but you also have to look at the fact that, hey, he's only played in 12 games last year, four games the year before that. He's only had one season that he's played 16 games. So he's another guy who's, you know, really been injury-prone. Um, yeah, a lot of factors to think about when Odell with Odell Beckham. But you can't deny the talent, and it would not surprise me if if he's a guy who lands in the again in the top five or top six receivers, you know, this season. Okay, Jake, who do we have at? Well, this this is a big one, <laughs> so this will be uh, this will be an interesting topic. But tell our listeners who we have at number eleven. Well, number eleven, you don't even ha- <laughs> even have in your top twenty. <laughs> That's because I'm just staying away right now. Pat has him at 18, and I have him all the way up at 5. We'll give you a second to guess, everyone. It is Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, we just don't know if he's going to be on the football field this season. You hear a different report every single day. Some good, some bad. It is partly a crapshoot. Partly we're trying to base it on what his contract situation is. It's different than Le'Veon Bell's, but... They want their money, and how you know how bold are they, and how long are they willing to sit out? You know, a report came out the other day; he won't play without a new contract. We don't know if the Cowboys are going to offer him a big deal, a big one-year deal, you know, a one-year extension. We don't know what the deal is, and you're guessing right now. So, if you have to take him, he's probably still going in the top ten. Is it worth wasting your first-round pick on a guy who might not play? Any of the Le'Veon Bell owners from last year probably aren't going to take that chance. Right, and we talked a good bit about this at the top of the show, so I won't I won't spend too much time on Elliot. Look, he's a guy who it's just man, it's hard to tell right now what's going to happen, and that makes me nervous, like really nervous. So, you know, in terms of if even if I'm in the back half of the draft with my first pick. I'm going to be hard-pressed right now to draft Ezekiel Elliott, but hey, look, take him at your own, uh, you know, your own will because this is just a situation that you're going to have to monitor every single day. You're going to have to 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 kind of get a good feeling about, you know, if you think he's going to come back, you have to be confident in that. um, If you're going to take that risk, and second, I I think that if you do take a, a player like that. You know, with your first or second pick, um, we talked about this earlier with, uh, you know, like Tyree Kill, Jake, and you you really want to look at a safe option with maybe your other pick. Try to get somebody who you really feel is going to be, who is going to stay healthy, who is going to give you that production, uh, you know, for 16 games to kind of hopefully balance that out if Zeke does not, you know, perform uh, or does not take the field in a number of games this season. 
Okay, uh, at number 10, another player. Again, this a lot of controversy around a number of players in, you know, in this year's um uh in this year's draft and and really inside the top 20. You know, we were talking the other Jake other day Jake and you said it perfectly. I thought you said, "Man, I really hate this NFL now with with all of these running backs um, you know, holding out and all these other things going on." Well, we have a situation now with Todd Gurley who is 10th in our consensus rankings, who I have kind of, you know, balanced out a little bit. I I've kind of come to terms with you know where he's at and I I've, I've accepted that for a while I was really feeling down on him just based on you know the arthritis in the knee and and how they were going to manage that this season how many carries they were going to give him uh but I do think that at the end of the day you have Malcolm Brown uh you have Daryl Henderson behind him I think those guys are going to account for some of those carries. They they have come out and said that they believe it's going to be a 65-35 split between Gurley and those other running backs. But I do think he's going to get the important carries. I think he's still going to score a bunch of touchdowns. This offense should be good still, so I think you can count on double-digit touchdowns from Todd Gurley. And he's going to get enough work, both in the running game and the passing game, to be a very good running back. So, Jake... I want to get your opinion on this as well, but that's that's kind of where I'm at with Gurley is is I'm comfortable taking him where he's been going, the back half of the first round, and if I get him, I think I'm going to be very happy if I compare him with somebody like, you know, say Juju Smith-Schuster or Odell Beckham. I think I'm going to be extremely happy with that start. Yeah, it basically comes down to, um, and I think 65 is probably a fair number, Uh I would rather have 65% of Todd Gurley than 80% of James Conner. Um, just more explosiveness, more upside, um, and that's the risk you're willing to take. Absolutely. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Um, a guy that, that talented, I think, that, that you're going to be able to live with you know, that percentage of carries over maybe some other guys. Okay, Jake, who do we have at number nine? Number nine, we have the catch monster, Michael Thomas. This dude is just, you know, he's just a beast. One of the best receivers in the league. At number nine, we have him, you know, ahead of somebody like Odell Beckham and Juju Smith-Suster. Um, most of the fact due to that um, he, you know, he is more talented. I'm getting breaking news here from Pat as we speak. Oh, that's okay. Uh, I don't know yeah. what he's talking yeah. about. That's okay. Pat's breaking that's... some news here. Uh I'm going to find out what we got here. But, yeah, as far as Michael Thomas goes, you know, I think the reason we have Odo Beckham behind him is just because we trust Drew Brees more. What do you think on that, Swan? Well, first off, uh, <laughs> whatever he's about to say doesn't sound good because <laughs> Pat just said, oh, no, Jake, with, like, 16 O's. So I don't I, – <laughs> are you kind of sweating right now? Because you probably should um, be. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, never mind. It's not even fantasy, oh, fantasy related. related. Okay. It's Bucks well, that, defense. That's not good for something with Vita Vea. We'll we'll find out. But anyway, Vita yeah, Vea I mean, is not going to be on our fantasy boards this year. So move on. Exactly. Inconvenience. That's Hopefully okay. Everybody, you know, had a little little uh, scare there. <laughs> I was kind of scared for you there for a second because I did think it was fantasy related. But Michael Thomas is, yeah. I mean, you said it, Jake. A catch monster. A guy who's catching what eighty percent of his balls, something like that. I mean, the efficiency playing with you know one of the most accurate quarterbacks of all time. So you can feel really safe about what you're going to get from Michael Thomas. Now, this is an offense who has not that has not passed the ball as much the past few years. They've leaned more on the running game. Mark Ingram leaves, goes to Baltimore. So we'll see how that affects them. They do bring in Latavius Murray. But I still think this is going to be a really, really efficient passing game, a really efficient year for Mike Thomas. You know what you're going to get a little bit more so than you know what you're going to get from Odell Beckham or maybe even Juju Smith-Schuster. So, yeah, I think that's why he falls a little bit higher on our boards and why he falls a little bit higher in most ADP as we've seen it. Now, the next two players, I'm going to give these in uh, just in tandem here because it's more wide receiver talk. 
Julio Jones, we have at number eight, and then Devontae Adams at number seven. Jake, seven, eight, nine, Adams, Jones, Thomas. This is really tough. I, I think the, all these three players um, are, are very, very close. I almost want to say this is a borderline preference call in terms of, of who you're going to take. Now, I do think Adams, with that potential for 160, 170 targets, you know, maybe gives you a little bit more playing with Aaron Rodgers, a little bit more security, especially that Julio Jones is, you know, he's already dealing with some foot stuff. He's been banged up a lot, though he does normally play through it. Um, how do you see these three these three guys grouped together? You know, do you... Who would you kind of say is the most consistent, has the best floor, maybe has the most ceiling among those three? Uh, talk about those three receivers a little bit. Well, I would say your most consistent option and who I would go with out of the three is Devontae Adams. Last year he had a streak of, I believe, about nine games over 15 PPR fantasy points. Um, as far as the highest ceiling goes, I'm, Swan, I'm still waiting for the year when Julio Jones is just going to go out and catch 20 touchdowns. <laughs> that man has all the talent in the world, and I beat it. I just beat the drum the past two years on this podcast about how Julio Jones, he, there's no reason why he's not catching touchdowns. Analytically, we just go over and over it again, and it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. So Julio Jones, I'd probably go with second, because even if he doesn't catch those touchdowns, he's consistently getting to you know right around 1,400 yards. And then Michael Thomas is obviously another nice option, but he did fall off um, about midway through the year last year for a little bit and kind of threw up some, you know, dud games. Because I think the Saints, if they're winning a game, they just kind of stop throwing it, which obviously you can't blame them. And they just hit up, hit up the run game hard, whereas the Falcons don't have as good a run game as the Saints, so they can't rely on that as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, you know, obviously I agree with your your Julio Jones take there. Uh, a guy who we're just waiting to see those touchdown numbers just take off. Like he has to finish with double digit touchdowns here soon. I mean, there's no reason that he's not. Um, if he does, he's gonna be just off the charts. Uh, he will be the wide receiver one if he scores ten or eleven touchdowns. I I'm almost certain of that. Um, yes. So, yeah, upside-wise, for sure, Jones. But, the, again, those three receivers, really, really close. Okay, Jake, at number six, we have a running back who hey, is— hold on. Quick question for Go you. ahead. Go ahead. Quick question for you. Yeah. Is Julio, is Julio Jones getting to me at 14 in our league of record? <laughs> Do I have to answer that? I mean— <laughs> uh, No comment. I plead the fifth. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm torn between a few guys. So, and you have pick we'll 13. See. I have pick 14. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> it's hard for us to talk fantasy right now with each other. We don't want to give away too many secrets, but obviously this top 20 episode is giving away a few for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And I knew that going in, but I'm I'm happy you you were able to jump on and we were able to do this because uh, this is a, a a fun episode. And um, whatever happens, happens. I think that you and I both are going to get really good value at the back end of the, the first round uh, with our first two picks, no matter what. So it, I think we're both going to come out of that those first two rounds happy, you know, yeah, with, with no our doubt. with our draft picks. Um, and I think we already kind of know that Todd Gurley won't be getting to us based on your uh, inside information. Inside information, but we won't. We won't talk about that too much, but I, I don't think he will make it back to us, you know, at the back end of the uh, the first round there. Um, Jake, talk about our number six player. Our number six player. Well, he's coming back after years sitting out of football, Mr. Le'Veon Bell. And he's playing with the Jets this year, and they just signed Ryan Khalil out of retirement to make their, their center guard combination is very – very talented, and you know, it, I was I was down on Le'Veon Bell at the beginning, going to the Jets because of their offensive line, because of their offensive makeup. But they really are trying very hard to put talent around him to let him, you know, let him. I guess fly. I guess would be the word for it. Um, you know, he is. He's got all the talent in the world, but his running style is so different from anybody else's, it seems like. Saquon Barkley has a little bit of that style in him, 
you know, the wait till seed hole opens and the Steelers did that so well with him. It is going to be interesting to see if all the Jets players can get on the same page as Le'Veon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jake, you have him at number seven in your, no, I'm sorry. You have him at six. I have him at seven and Pat at four. So we're all kind of in that same range for the most part. Um, do you see him like with the Jets offense? Are we looking at a situation where touchdowns are going to be a problem? A, a little bit like Joe Mixon with the Bengals? Touchdowns are going to be a problem. And yeah. what happens if they get down in the game? Are they going to throw Ty Montgomery in there more often than Le'Veon Bell? I find you know, that hard to that's believe. That's scary. I I know, but you know, if it's in a passing situation. Is Le'Veon Bell going to be in the two-minute package? I would think so, but I also think they're going to have a passing package for Ty Montgomery. Well, and I think maybe the biggest enemy of Le'Veon Bell is Adam Gase. Yes, Adam Gase does not like players who have an attitude. See Devontae Parker. Right, and I mean, even more so the fact that, you know, even in Miami, you know, we felt like a lot of times that Kenyon Drake should have got the ball more. I'm not saying yeah. Le'Veon Bell and Kenyon Drake are, the, are on equal playing fields because they're not, but like he just seemed to mismanage his running back touches a lot. So that that concerns me a little bit. Um, I'm Bell's another player who, you know, I'm comfortable where kind of he's going in drafts. I'm okay taking him, uh, but yeah, there there's certainly some concerns there, Jake. I think you you pointed towards a couple, and uh, it should really be an interesting year they say he's in very good shape coming into camp they you know all the players are talking about you know hey this you know this guy's in shape he's ready to go even after taking a year off um but gonna be a very very interesting scene you know with gang green up there in new york and, and see how Le'Veon bell does in year one all right we are on to our top five now so let's get into number five and we're sticking with the running back position a player who two years ago broke his wrist in week one and then last year was part of a very, very bad offense and really it really affected him you know, in a negative way. And he's looking to have a big bounce back year, a, a very talented player who I think can certainly have that bounce back year in a much, much better offense or what should be a much better offense and that's David Johnson running back for the Arizona Cardinals. So, look, I think with the addition of Kyler Murray, of course, this offense should be more dynamic, should be more explosive. I think it's kind of yet to be seen how, um, you know, how Kingsbury kind of plays into this. A guy who didn't have a ton of success at Texas Tech, I'm still not sure kind of what coach he really is, to be honest just with you. a wild hiring. You go six and six at Texas yeah. Tech and then get higher in the NFL. It's I mean, crazy. I know your offensive schemes are, you know, pretty wild and pretty crazy, but this one definitely baffled me. Yeah. Is it, so, be, is it because he look? Is it because he looks good? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, a, right? If he, he was a if he was a three hundred pound slob with long hair and a beard, <laughs> like you know, is he yeah. getting hired? Yeah, if he didn't look like Ryan Gosling, would he be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals right now? Like, <laughs> that's a fair question. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what it what it came down to with the hiring. Um, but, look, I, I think some people, you know, my first question was, is David Johnson going to be comfortable in this scheme? Is he going to be comfortable being in the shotgun a lot? And, you know, after hearing he some of his— and quick enough? And, you know, yeah. we know he can catch passes, but he is heavier than most running backs in this offense. Yeah, a little, little bit different in, in terms of style. But I, I was listening to, you know, some of his interviews, and he actually ran out of the shotgun a lot in college. Uh, so he said, you know, he's very comfortable working out of that, you know, those formations and those sets. So, you know, I, I do think that this is going to be a, a real bounce back year for David Johnson. I don't think he quite gets into that category, and, and you know, big reason why we have him ranked a little bit lower I, I don't think he gets into that category of, of McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara. He's not quite a sure thing. So if you're you know, if you're drafting, I think if you're in that five spot, you know, four spot, if you're not comfortable taking Zeke, I think you should be very comfortable in a PPR league taking David Johnson, should catch a lot of passes. 
um, even with all the receivers that they added this offseason, and should get, again, the the bell cow workload in terms of running back carries. Uh, nobody there to really steal carries from him. Now, the Jake, the one thing that I, you know I, I find interesting, and I'll ask you this, who do you think has the more upside this year? Is it David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell? Wow. I knew the question was coming when you were asking me that. That is a hard question to answer. I'm thinking, I, th- I think Le'Veon Bell has the higher upside, maybe due to the fact that David Johnson, he had a really bad year last year and still finished as the RB10. Le'Veon Bell could honestly finish as the RB15 to 20 if the Jets offense is that bad and Le'Veon Bell shuts down. And doesn't, you know, I trust David Johnson more. So I think I'd maybe would, if I was in crunch time at that number four position in the draft and the top three running backs go, my options are obviously probably between Hopkins, David Johnson, and Le'Veon Bell. And I might lean David Johnson. Swan, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, I'm struggling with my own question. <laughs> it, it's, it's hard. That's a hard one. I kind of dodged your question, but it was too hard of a question. I needed to get the hell yeah. out of there. I, I mean, I have Johnson at four, and then I have Bell at seven. Uh, I have a couple of receivers, but, but you know, before Bell, I would take. Um, I, I mean, I would take David Johnson now. In terms of, you know, when you have the upside discussion, who has more? It, it's tough. You know, David Johnson's really talented. I don't know if people kind of realize. You know, Le'Veon Bell is probably a little more talented. I think, but I think David Johnson's right there personally. But we've seen them both be the number one back overall yes. for a year. So it's like yeah. they both can do it. Absolutely. I think it's kind of a pick your poison thing. And, you know, if you really, I, I think most people probably fit into the mold of Le'Veon Bell sat a year. He's with a new team. It's probably not a very good team. And that's why they're leaning David Johnson. And that's what we've seen ADP, you know, kind of tell us. So that's probably where I would lean to is is David Johnson with that slight edge. Um, now, Jake, the number four player that we have on our board, the last of the receivers, the number one receiver, and this is how most ADPs have kind of looked, is DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I want you to talk about him a little bit because you have him higher than than both, uh, you know, Pat and I. Um, you have him all the way up at number four. So you're telling me you're comfortable taking DeAndre Hopkins in the top four. I am, and you know why? I've uh, we've done this fantasy football thing for 15 years now, 20, you know, probably about 15 years, and you can't miss in the first round. If you miss in the first round, your season almost 95% of the time is over. And maybe the safest option in this draft, even over the top three running backs, because of injury and because of this and that, is DeAndre Hopkins. So if you're really unsure of David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. Yes, they could have a better season, but your safest pick is DeAndre Hopkins. And sometimes not missing in the first round is better than taking a risk. Yeah, hard to argue that. Uh, a guy who is a true Iron Man doesn't miss a lot of games. Um, certainly, the you know the number one wide receiver on my board in terms of you know you know when I'm in those kind of middle picks, I don't know if I'm ready to take him in the top four, uh, but certainly. You know, a guy who I'm looking at at, you know, five, six, seven in in that range again this year. Um, that offense should be good. Deshaun Watson should be looking his way a lot. Will Fuller has proven he can't stay healthy. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the, the number one target in Houston again. And, and a guy who will push Devontae Adams for the most targets in the league, I think. So, yeah, Jake, I, I, I can't argue any of your... Uh, you know what you've said in terms of you know him just being that the most consistent player in fantasy football because he is right there with everybody else okay we are into the top three now and I don't think this is going to be any surprise to our listeners out there so it's not like the golden boys yeah it's not like we can really hype this up too too much because this is kind of just how it is um you know Zeke certainly would have fit into this conversation if uh if things hadn't gone south with him and his contract situation in Dallas. But uh, I guess let's talk through all three of these running backs, Jake. 
Christian McCaffrey, who we have at number three, Saquon Barkley at number two, and the one surprise I think here is Alvin Kamara at one for, now you have him at three, Pat and I both have him at number one. Um, First off, just kind of tell me how you feel about these three backs and tell me why you ranked them the way you did, Barkley one, McCaffrey two, and Kamara three. Swan, it is so close that you could make an argument either way. <laughs> Obviously, that's what we're talking about. Um, I like all three almost the same. I would say Barkley's ceiling is a little higher, but he's also a little scary because if they put in Daniel Jones halfway through the year, we don't know what's going to happen, and that is very scary. Um, I would say McCaffrey is your most consistent option. I know this might. I keep talking about consistency this through this whole podcast. Hope I'm not boring anybody, but to win That's a fantasy all championship, yep. you need consistency. If you listen to the top experts, and quite frankly, we're getting there. We're getting to try and be a top expert, and I think we know they all say consistency is the main reason. So that's why I keep using that word. Christian McCaffrey is probably your most consistent guy because he is going to have more than likely the most catches. The only thing that scares me with Kamara is if he can handle the full workload. I know he's never really done it. He did it through the fir- a four-game stretch early on last year, but I just don't know if he can handle the full workload, and McCaffrey proved it to me that he can handle that full workload, and obviously we know Saquon can handle that full workload. So that's why I have Kamara at three. I would agree with you on the point that Barkley has the most upside of these three, just based on talent alone. Uh you know yeah. any you know player who's built like the way he is you can tell that he can he can handle the the workload you know no problem whatsoever agreed also on Kamara and McCaffrey the points you made about you know hey can Kamara hold up for a full workload we still have not seen that the reason that i have Kamara at number 1 and just have him very very slightly over the next two guys is i believe that this Saints offense is leaps and bounds and I don't think anybody would argue this above those other two offenses you know what's Cam what is Cam Newton's shoulder going to be like this year and how is that going to affect the Carolina offense I think that's going to be a big big storyline and then of course the Giants look like they might be in contention for the number one overall pick next year again um, you know a, a team that I certainly see is going to finish in the in the bottom five um you know, just two football teams that that are not very good right now. I think that the, the Panthers overall could be a decent football team. I don't think the Giants can be a decent football team. And look, the, the Saints, I know, much to your chagrin, Jake, but this is the team that probably should win the NFC South. Uh, yep. You know, they are kind of the class of that division right now. I don't see them slowing down at all. And they have a really creative mind in Sean Payton. So all of those things added together, that that gives me the confidence um, that that Alvin Kamara can and will finish as the number one back this year. Yeah, definitely all fair points. I can't argue with you on the points you made there. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Like I said, I would I would be happy with all three of them. Agree. So. All very, very close. So let's run through this thing just to give our listeners a quick recap of our top 20 overall. At number 20, we had Travis Kelsey, 19, Mike Evans, 18, Antonio Brown, 17, Dalvin Cook, 16, Joe Mixon. At 15, Juju Smith-Schuster. At number 14, Tyree Kill. 13, James Conner. At number 12, Odell Beckham. Coming in at 11, Ezekiel Elliott. At 10, Todd Gurley. 9, Michael Thomas, 8, Julio Jones, 7, Devontae Adams, at number 6, Le'Veon Bell, number 5, David Johnson, at 4, DeAndre Hopkins, and then our top 3, the big 3 running backs, at 3, we had McCaffrey, at number 2, Saquon Barkley, and at number 1, Pat and I both had him at number 1, and Jake had him at 3, and that's Alvin Kamara. So that just that does it for our top 20. Obviously, we are going to be shuffling our rankings, you know, back and forth throughout the rest of of August leading up to, you know, the beginning of the season, but hopefully this gives our listeners out there a good idea of where these guys fall, um, you know, in our eyes 
in those first two rounds? You know, where can you kind of target these players when it comes to comparing position by position? Um, so, Jake, first off, buddy, I want to say thank you again for for coming on with me. I really appreciate you you uh, uh, you know jumping on the the episode tonight, and uh, I had a lot of fun. Oh yeah, a lot of fun. Anytime. I love jumping on these. And quite frankly, this may be one of my favorite episodes to do. Honestly, if you're out there, maybe listen twice because these first two rounds are going to make or break your season a lot of the times. And you have to get a good strategy and you have to get it right and listen to our consistency factors and what players to pair with who. Absolutely. Both really, really good points. So uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening to Pad the Stats. I'm your host, James Swanson, with my guest, Jake Meyer. Signing off. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.